Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Small Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Vizanar. In this podcast, you'll learn the strategies, processes, and mindset to take you, your teams, and your organization to the next level. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ben Vizanal, and today's show is all about buying and selling your business, and more importantly, how to get the most for your business when you do sell it. Now, if you haven't thought about an exit strategy for your business, sooner or later, you will. But before I get into today's expert guest, I have a couple of things to share with you that I'm very excited about. The first is my new book, Be Small, Fight Big, How Small Businesses Can Fight Like a Fortune 500 and Win the War on Talent. It's out and available for purchase right now. So, If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner that's struggling to find great talent, then check it out. It's available anywhere books are sold. The other thing that's got me so excited is that we're starting a brand new mastermind group. This mastermind group is just for entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's called the Explosive Growth Mastermind. If you've ever been interested in joining a mastermind or just want to work with me and just aren't quite ready to commit to a one-on-one coaching engagement, then this just might be the thing for you. Head over to VisanaConsulting.com to learn more. I will also include the link in the show notes. Now, about today's special guest. Bart Rupert has founded nearly 30 companies, negotiated over $500 million in contracts and business deals, and is an expert in buying and selling businesses. He helps ordinary, everyday people buy and sell companies for a living, even those that have never bought a company or sold a company before. He has created a refined process that allows people to buy companies using none of their own money and either A, flip them for a profit, or B, hold them and replace their salary from the residual income. And with that, let's listen in on the episode. Bart, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you. And for our listeners that don't know who you are and what it is that you do, tell us a little bit about yourself and who it is that you serve. Sure. So my name is Bart, and I work with a couple different things. The first of which is that I've got an M&A firm. We focus on mergers and acquisitions and helping entrepreneurs sell their company. So a lot of what we do is turning entrepreneurs into millionaires. And then I also work with the public, individuals who are looking to get in the business of buying and selling companies for a living and training them and teaching them on the best way to go about that to where you've heard of people who go and flip houses, right? So that's what we'd be looking to do is finding people that do the exact same thing with businesses that can effectively come in, take over a business, potentially grow that quite a bit and scale it up and then look towards an exit and make a lot of money as a return. Well, and, and we talked a little bit before the show, and I think that's an, I mean, it's an awesome and a very timely topic. I'm sure a lot of people right now, we're recording this in June, towards the end of June, and of course we're in the middle of COVID and additional restrictions look like they're coming. And so I know I'm sure a lot of people are feeling some pain. They're thinking about maybe getting out or what can they do to, you know, shift or pivot. Um, and like you said, a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, build or buy businesses just for the purpose of selling them. So I think this is a very timely topic and I don't have a lot of experts such as yourself on the show, so I've got a ton of questions for you. So let's let's dig into it. So what do you let me I guess we'll start with this. Do you find a lot of people in your in your experience is it more of their buying like you say flipping houses? They they buy it to flip it or people building business organically to 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 sell it. What do you find is the most common uh process? Yeah, it's a good question. So the most common thing we find are entrepreneurs that build businesses 
without necessarily having an exit in mind. They build it hopefully because they're passionate about the business, they love what they're doing, and they've got a vision to be able to grow it. What most people don't actually keep into account in their mind when they start off is, what am I going to do with this thing? Am I basically going to run it forever? Do I treat it as an ongoing ATM machine and just basically extract cash from it every month? Do I want to run it forever? Do I want to hire somebody else to run it? And ultimately, if I do have an exit strategy, what is that exit? And what I would say to your listeners is that ultimately, it's never too early to start thinking about your exit. You always want to be beginning with the end in mind, like Stephen Covey would say, to always know what that looks like. Because if you don't start thinking early on, what's my exit plan? What am I going to do? What do I really want out of this thing? When the right opportunity comes along or the right moment comes along, it can pass you by and you're not ready for it. You don't see it. You're not clear with yourself about what those goals are. So basically, we find a lot of people that just start these businesses and grow these businesses and one day wind up saying, I don't know what to do with it. And then we come in and help assess, all right, where are you? What is the valuation? How do we best position this? And how do we get you the most possible uh, value out of it? And there's also a number of different strategies and techniques we bring in that we refer to proprietary technologies called the boost technique that we leverage to be able to get entrepreneurs 20% to 40% more value upon the sale of the business, which when you're looking at an exit, particularly after you've been growing something for many, many years, that can make a huge difference. Well, um, so I guess that, that's a perfect segue. So how do, and I know we, we only have a 20 or 30 minute, um, you know, show. We try not to, to keep it for, for two or three hours. We could probably talk all day about this. But when someone's looking at selling or like you said, man, let's, let me just scratch everything I just said. Let's back up. So a lot of, a lot of businesses, uh, as you said, definitely uh, start a business, a lot of business owners, small business owners especially, start a business without thinking at all of like their exit strategy, uh, are they going to give it to their family, or maybe they, I've seen this with some of my personal clients, they have a family business, but no one in the family wants to take it over. So they're, they're looking at just, you know, closing the business when you said they've got an asset there that they can sell. Um, so what is the first step in the process if, you know, someone decides to build a business, they start thinking, you know, how they should be thinking about exit, what is your, your best advice to them uh, when, they're, when they're just starting out and they know they're going to, you know, start a business what should they be thinking about long-term, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, or even just five years down the road when they start thinking about how they're going to exit and or sell? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's different things that actually trigger a business to be worth more or less when you get to what's called the valuation process. And the valuation process is where somebody comes in and assesses what's the business worth. It's like an appraisal on real estate. So what you want to be able to do right from the beginning is ensure that everything is structurally aligned to be able to create the most possible value when you do the exit. And a lot of these are things that are very difficult to fix later. So, for example, what you can do really day one when you have a business that you start off is make sure everything's documented. Make sure you've got good, solid documentation around your practices, around your processes, around your team, around the organization, have an org chart, have different things that really help spell out the success of the company. Because when anybody comes in to buy a business, they're looking at, is this a well-run company? Is it organized? Is it well-structured? If they don't see those things, they will devalue the business. Whether it's right, wrong, or different, psychologically, it will feel less valuable to them, and they will devalue it. On the other hand, if they show up and see a business that is looking really well-organized, lots of processes, lots of documentation, seems like it's really rich with knowledge in that way, people will pay more for it. And that's a very simplistic technique. It may only swing the needle like 3 to 5%. 
depends on what, what things look like in the valuation who's buying it. But the biggest thing you can do is make sure as you're growing the business down the road that at the point when you get ready to sell, you've got three trailing years of really solid financials. And it's not hard to get that. You don't have to do that internally if you don't want to. You can keep up with things like QuickBooks, and that keeps track of all that data for you. You can also give that to a really well-qualified CPA and say, hey, look, I'm looking at an exit at some point in the near future. I'd like to make sure that the, the books are well-balanced. Or you can engage you know, an outside firm like we do this with a lot of folks to be able to go through and say, let's take a look at what you've got and how to best structure that. Uh, I'm not talking cook the books. I'm just talking about how to basically line yourself up to where all the right mechanics are in place to where a company that's looking to buy you out is going to say, wow, this has all the right things I'm looking for. It's simple. It's straightforward. I know how to understand it. There's nothing in here that's hidden. There's no commingled funds. I'm not basically using this to pay for a Caribbean vacation. Uh, it's all very, very well thought out. And if you can do stuff like that, I know there's a very simple example, uh, but that's stuff you can do in advance of the sale. The, the thing that I think is more important about what, than what you do to prepare, though, is the timing. Because the timing of when you sell the business is really critical. And the mistake that we see almost everybody make is that they think to themselves, I'm going to sell my business when it's on top of its game. And that seems logical, right? Because you're thinking the business will never be worth more than when it's on top of its game. So you're always thinking to yourself, as soon as I get that next client, as soon as I secure that next deal, as soon as I get this product finished, as soon as I achieve this next milestone, well, that seems right to us as entrepreneurs that are looking at operating the business and running the business. But the reality is to an acquirer, that's too late. If you're going to get maximum value for your business, by the time you have achieved the objective, that is too late. And most folks would be like, why is that the case? The reality is that when it comes to selling a business, the hype that you're selling into or the excitement of what is yet to come is far more powerful for your valuation than the actual achievement of that. And what, what I would say differently, just metaphorically, the sizzle on the steak is what sells the steak, not the calories in it. So by the time it hits your plate, then it's already gone down in value. But if you're smelling it while it's still in the kitchen and you're still hungry, you're like, wow, that's really going to help make, you know, that's going to make it more valuable to you. So what you want to make sure you're doing is constantly looking at what does the next six to nine to 12 months of my business look like? And is my greatest victory still ahead of me? Because you want to sell your business with the greatest victory not yet accomplished. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but when you're going into a sale process and you're telling somebody, look, this next massive deal is around the corner. We haven't gotten it yet, but our best days are yet to come. That is going to be what gets you a lot more value than going in and saying, yeah, we just closed this huge deal, so our best days may be behind it. And that is, that's something that you've, you've got to be a bit of a futurist towards. You've got to think, what is still in front of me, and how can I leverage that to get the most value out of my business in that process? Now, that makes total sense. And I know we talked a little bit before the call about, you know, what, what are those indicators? What are the markers for selling? Because, you know, I've got a little experience in that. And uh, some sales have gone well, and some have not gone so well, you know, you leave some money on the table. So I think those are great tips, man. Let me ask you this. So we talked a little bit about, um, you know, uh, the win, but what what are people? I think this is this is very important when we talk about building a business, especially when you're going to sell intentionally. What are people really buying when they buy a business? 
Yeah, there's a couple ways to answer that. Um, in a lot of cases, they're buying revenue. So if somebody's going to buying a business, they want the revenue it can add to them. So inorganic growth is a very popular model in the sense that a lot of the folks I work with, they know that they can organically grow their business, and if it's doing well, they can grow by 20, 30, 50% a year. But if you buy another company, you can literally double or triple the size of your business overnight with one transaction, just with the stroke of a pen. And the way you do that is by buying revenue. So I'm going to buy out a competitor. That competitor is earning just as much as I am. So now my revenue is doubled just with one simple sale, one transaction. And that's pretty powerful. Uh, but there's a lot of other reasons why people do it in terms of why people buy businesses. A lot of folks buy it because they have assets or they have intellectual property, some sort of technology that they don't currently have they can bolt in. Some folks buy it for the staff. They're in a situation where they know they've got the ability to grow, they've got the channels, they've got the development or business development, but they may not have the people. And so if you know you've got a competitor or business over there that's got a ton of people standing by, you could acquire that to be able to bring that into your organization and help grow it. The biggest thing that I would say in that scenario, and this is what I talk to all the folks I work with about, is what's the pain? What's the pain they're trying to solve? And in a lot of industries, the pain has similarities. Like certain industries have commonalities where they say, oh, yeah, they're all looking for good, solid workers that can do this work or reliable people that will stick around. Others are looking for like the latest, greatest technology that can give them that cutting edge or optimize their workflow. But whatever that commonality is, that is going to be the reason why somebody buys a business in most cases, because they're trying to solve that pain for their own organization. Okay, that makes sense. And I, and I hear, I get asked that a lot, um, which is going to, going to, the reason why I asked that question is so I could ask you this question. Why would I want to buy X business instead of going to create my own, create my own? Now, obviously, if it's technology, it's IT, and it's proprietary, that's, that's, a, that's a gimme. They're buying it for that technology. But, you know, say when it comes to like a franchise, you know, burger shop, whatever, donut shop, why, what are the benefits of buying something that's already ready-made versus creating your own organization? Yeah, that, that is a great question. I think most business owners that have been through that process understand what it takes to build something from scratch, to actually go out there, get your hands dirty in the dirt, and spend years getting the staff, getting the processes, getting the technology if you have that available, or just be, being able to build the team, build the reputation, build the goodwill, build the client base, the referenceability. If you're bidding on projects, you've got to have some sort of a track record, some sort of a history of financial success. And the big thing about buying a business is that it allows you to take a shortcut. You can take the escalator rather than the stairs. You can bypass all that pain and hard work, all those years of blood, sweat, and tears just to get to a, a starting point to be able to start with something that already exists. So if I have, say, government contracts or something like that, then I could go through and buy an agency that's been doing that for the past 10 years and immediately tomorrow start bidding on government deals. Whereas if I started my own company, I'd have to build a track record, I'd have to build financials, I'd have to build a history, I'd have to get some clients, I'd have to do some case studies, I'd have to really prove myself. It's a lot harder. And people who go and buy businesses, they say, there is a financial value to being able to skip to the head of the line by getting access to something that already exists that's already going well. Now, the thing that people that have uh, bought businesses know is that no business is perfect. You're never going to find a situation where you go in and you're like, oh, everything's great. Like, the companies make the money. It's all profitable. There's no operational problems. All the staff are getting along. It's all a big bed of thornless roses. That is not reality. Every business has issues. 
And most of the reasons why entrepreneurs hold themselves back is because they think to themselves, oh, I'm not ready to sell because I've got these problems. I've got these issues. I'm not yet perfect. I've got to work on perfection. Again, when you get to the top of the hill, it's already too late to sell the business because you're not going to get maximum value. You've got to sell before you get to the top of the hill. You've also got to recognize and just be aware everybody's in the same boat you are. No business is perfect. Everybody's got problems. But what you can do as a business purchaser is assess through a system and a set of techniques to go through due diligence. You can assess what those problems are. You can figure out how easy or hard would they be for me to solve or my team to solve. Because one person's problem city may be your panacea. One person's complete nightmare might be something that for you is just a snap of fingers to solve. In which case, what you want to do is say, oh, that's the perfect business for me to acquire. Because yes, they have problems, but the problems they have, I know how to fix. Because I fixed that five years ago with my business. So I can skip ahead of the line by taking, taking control of this business, very quickly turn around and addressing the issues that they're struggling with, and now I've got something that I can take to the next level. And it's extremely additive. That's a big part of this game, is that the entrepreneurs that like to start businesses, they're very good at creating stuff from scratch, getting it built up, getting it to a certain level. The folks that are, that are buying it have said, yeah, I've, I've kind of been there and done that. I'd rather skip to the head of the line and just find the most efficient, effective, uh, and, and advantaged way to purchase a business and make sure I don't lose money on that, that I actually make a whole lot more money faster. Well said, sir. Perfect answer. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> so what things as a, a seller, and we'll kind of rewind a little bit, when, you know, we already talked about what they need to have in place as far as maybe some documentation, start thinking ahead if you know you're going to sell, you know, get your, get your books in order so you don't have the, uh, you know, the worries of people thinking you're cooking the books, et cetera. What other markers do you think um, as a seller, and I'm going to ask you the same thing here in a minute about buyers, what, what things should sellers look out for, what things should buyers look out for when they're looking at selling their business? Yeah, it, there's so many different answers to that. I mean, we've got, we, we've got a multi-page checklist that we go through that's like um, over 10 pages that we go and look at on each side of the equation, honestly. Uh, I would say that the most simplistic way to go about it that we found is that you leverage technology that allows you to plug in certain data sets to go through and look at what I call the scientific part of the business or like the data-driven part. Because there is a part of this that's just like, if the numbers don't work, you shouldn't do the deal. And we use a product called Evaluation X. Um, it's evaluationx.co. It's a system that allows us to go through and in 10 to 15 minutes plug in all the data that they provide us and the financials, uh, either as a seller or as a buyer, and then determine what's the value of the business and what are the big hangups, what are the problems, what are the areas I need to work out for. And that, if you're a seller, tells you, hey, if somebody else is coming in to buy this business, here are the problems you're going to have to address, so make sure to fix those. And if you fix those, you're going to be well-advantaged as you go into the sale process. As a buyer, it does the exact same thing. It allows you to go through and say, yeah, if you're going to buy this business, here's the things you've got to fix. Here's the things you've got to look out for. So that's really helpful. But it's not always about just the data. Uh, I think a lot of people make the mistake of just looking at data and assuming if I've got a good data, a good data around the business and the fundamentals look good, then I'm great. That may be true, but the reality is there's this other side of it that is the cultural impact, it's the cultural element of it that allows you to go through and interview the executive team, the staff, the groups, the clients, figure out what the relationships are like. Is it a toxic environment? Is it something that's culturally aligned with your environment? Is it something that fits what you're looking for? 
Because if you've got a situation where your company is just really hard-nosed, you guys are bulldogs, you're out there making it happen, you're crushing it every single day, and it's just like, yeah, let's get out there and dominate the world and take their prisoners, then you come into a culture where everybody's like sitting around, hugging by the water cooler, they're talking about what kind of fun they had, they've got this real cultural feel that's to it, that's going to be a pretty big clash. So you've got to look out for that and figure outside of the fundamentals of the business, does the fit line up? And especially if you're going to have executives that are sticking around uh, in the sense that, you know, the owner is not just going to exit stage left, they're going to stay on, assist with the business, help the transition, whatever, you've got to make sure that cultural fit is there. Because I've seen way too many acquisitions go in a bad way because that wasn't really uncovered or figured out in the early days of the process. And then when it came, came time to operationalize everything, uh, there, were, there were struggles and problems. So the two ways I'd sum it up, find a quick and easy way, and we use software, valuation X to do this, to assess is the business purchase viable? Like is this going to pencil? And then the second part of it is spend time with the seller if you're the one buying it or vice versa, and go through and make sure you understand what their goals are, what their culture is like, what they'd like to achieve, because the best types of transactions are the ones where I know what's important to you, you know what's important to me, we have an honest, open dialogue about that. We talk about it. We're able to get to the root of it. And I'm able to be very honest with you and say, hey, this is what I'd like to get out of this. And you say to me, this is what I'd like to get out of this. And I say, great, this is how we both get what we need. And if that type of conversation happens, then you will get a transaction done. It will feel better. It will work more smoothly. It will close far more easily than anybody else that's out there. That's why if you look at the M&A space, largely most deals take like nine months on average to get done. And we get deals done in like a matter of weeks. Um, you know, there's been some deals we've gotten done in less than a month. And the reason is we sit down and we, we seek to understand what's important to the other side. We've got a very regimented process we go through, but it's all about getting to know the other person and making sure that there's that trust and that cultural alignment. Everybody knows what to expect. If you've got that, like any good relationship, it's like accelerant. It just makes things move faster. It makes it move, move more smoothly and everybody's happier as a result of the deal. And because of that, everybody actually makes more money. They all do better. Well, and, uh, and that's something a lot of people glaze over when they talk about buying a business or merging two companies is the cultural fit. I think that that's the downfall of many successful organizations that merge uh, and then implode, you know, shortly thereafter is, is that cultural fit. And I'm glad to see that you guys take a look at that, not just the financials when you look at buying and selling. That's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you mentioned your boost technique. It was a, you said it was proprietary to you guys. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So we've been buying and selling companies uh, for over 20 years. And we've got a, a group that this is all we do every day, day in, day out. And there's an element of it to where if you go and study, like, what does it take to raise the value of business and all that other stuff, you'll find some good information, some good gems. A lot of them unpolished, a lot of them polished. But i got to say, I mean, there's no substitute for experience. The amount of stuff you, you live through going through deal rooms, uh, and I've sold a lot of small companies, taken companies to, uh, you know, over $75 million on the path to an exit, sold one for over $100 million. And when you get to the level of actually doing larger deals and smaller deals across the board, you just see almost everything that comes up that's a trend. And the way, the way I work is I'm very process-oriented. So when I see something that works and I see something that doesn't work, I have to really understand why did it work or not work. 
And then how do we make sure to repeat the result that we want and avoid the result we don't want going forward? And when I sold some of my businesses, um, you know, nearly two decades ago, uh, very early days, I lost a lot of money. I left a ton of money on the table. And I did so because I didn't know any better. No one had come to me and said, hey, here's what you do and don't do. And as a result, I was kind of winging it. And it turns out that's not a great idea. You can do it. I pulled it off, but it was very expensive. It was a very expensive lesson. I mean, I should have been worth a whole lot more a whole lot earlier. Um, but the great thing about that is that when you suffer that kind of pain and you look back on it, you, you resolve yourself never to make the mistake again. So you look back and say, I am never going to do that. And ultimately, um, you do that enough times over the years, and, and you get to see a pretty substantial bag of tricks. And you get to figure out, okay, regardless of which industry, regardless of what size company it is, this is what works, this is what gets someone the most value, and this is what doesn't. And that's what we've pulled together into uh, what we call the boost technique that allows us to, whenever you go through an exit process, to get the most possible value out of a sale. Because that's what it's about. I mean, the way I look at it, we, we work with entrepreneurs. That's what we do. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you've created this business, you've invested like, say, 10, 15 years of your life into it, chances are this is the only transaction you're going to do in your entire life to sell a business. And your retirement, your kids, your livelihood, everything's riding on this. So the way we look at it is that it's very possible that's the most important transaction of your life. You do not want to screw that up. You've got to make sure you're taking advantage of every single opportunity. You've got to make sure you're boosting the value of it. You've got to make sure everything's clean. You've got to make sure you don't get discounted or talked down in the negotiation. You've got to make sure you have a plan for that. You've got to make sure you're tax advantaged. There's a lot of strategies that, that aren't out there in the public that allow you to save just an incredible amount of money. I mean, hundreds of thousands, and in some cases millions, just by knowing the right structural way to sell a company from a tax perspective. And it varies from LLC, C Corp, S Corp. There's different techniques for each one of those. But as you start to look at what does that boost technique look like, there's a whole compilation of things you want to pull together. And I'll give you a big example because I, I, want, I want everybody to get value out of this. One of the things that absolutely works like wildfire is get more than one party to the table if you're a seller. Get more than one party to make an offer on the business. And if you can get multiple parties to the table, you can create, there's a certain way to do it by not locking into exclusivities with folks that you're selling to, but there's a way you can create a bidding war. And if you think of like eBay versus Amazon, for example, I go to Amazon and I may not get the absolute lowest price for the good that's out there, but chances are I'm going to get a pretty good price. It's going to be a pretty low price. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I want to go ahead and purchase the product. And I know it will be here in two days. I'm good with that. If I go to eBay, I'm looking for something that is, you know, I'm looking for like a much better price. And it's going to be used. But I, I'm really going after like striking a deal and competing with other people to buy something. But what happens on eBay with really popular products, and this happens all the time, every day, thousands of times a day, is that people pay more for a used product on eBay, then they could go and buy it from Amazon. Now, why do they do that? Because it's right there on like the most popular e-commerce channel on the world, in the world, at least in the U.S., that we're looking at saying, okay, yeah, I mean, this thing is clearly cheaper, but people, thousands of people per day are paying more for a used product on eBay. It's because there's a bidding war. 
It's because you're in the excitement of, I don't want the other person to win. I want to be able to get this product. This is my product. I'm, I'm vested in this now. I'm in this game. I want to be able to achieve success and get this. And so you will actually outbid the other guy and pay more just to be able to achieve victory and have success and say, yeah, I won that. That's mine. And eBay knows this. And so at the very end, they're like, hey, congratulations, you won. And it's like, yeah, I did it. And you don't get that from Amazon. On Amazon, it's like, I'll add it to my card and ship it in two days. So you want to be able to create that same psychological momentum around your business because you can get somebody just off this one technique to pay more for your business than they otherwise should just because there's somebody else in the game. And there's mystery, there's intrigue, there's psychology you can bring to the technique and the strategy because you're going to tell them there's somebody else there. You're not going to tell them what they're bidding. You're not going to tell them who it is. So they're thinking of themselves the worst possible incarnation in their mind of who that could be. They're thinking, oh, it's my number one competitor. And if my number one competitor buys this business, they're going to double their amount of revenue overnight. I need to double my amount of revenue. Because if I double my amount of revenue overnight, I can crush my competitor. If they double their amount of revenue overnight, they can crush me. So if that's my mentality, if that's my mindset over the purchase of a company, what am I likely to do on price? Am I likely to bid higher or lower? You bet I'm going to bid higher. Because now I'm not just motivated over the desire to get a deal done, which is where everybody starts. I'm now motivated to some degree over the fear of not getting a deal done or the fear of losing it to a competitor, which is even worse. Because now it's got all these ramifications and long-term impacts, which I'm kind of a business owner looking at the chessboard and thinking, if that guy gets this business and beats me out of it, he's going to have twice as much revenue and resources to be able to conquer me. And that means in five years I'm out of business. So they're looking like three or four moves ahead of the chessboard and figuring, I absolutely have to have this company. And just that alone, I mean, I've seen people bid like close to twice as much for the business than it's worth just to make sure that they want it. So that, that's just one actionable technique that we, we actively uh, teach people how to deploy and, and help people deploy, but there's a lot of others too. I mean, you want to do everything you possibly can to get the most value out of the sale. That, that leads me to a, a perfect uh, next question. So if someone decides they want to work with you, is there criteria that you have to work? So if I want to sell my business, you know, do you have some minimums? What's the, what's the process look like if I want to? to partner with you to sell my business? Yeah, I mean, there, there's two primary models we work with, uh, one of which is we'll just go out and, and find an entrepreneur that's saying, yeah, I want to sell my business, I want to work with somebody that's been there before, I want to get the most out of it, in which case we can definitely do that. We do it all day long. It's our primary structure. There's other folks that say, hey, maybe my business is not big enough yet, or I'm not at a point where I want to sell, but I want to have the end in mind. I want to be able to get my strategies built out, or perhaps I want to buy my own business and get mine even bigger so that I can recognize a lot higher returns when I go to sell my company. Either way, we've got a program for that. The first of which is we essentially engage, we walk them through some of our structural setup. We get the company uh, reviewed, we get the valuation done, we go through the books, we, we make modifications with the owner to be able to get the most out of it, and then we sell the company. And we're very good at that. That's our primary function. The other thing that we do is we work with individuals who are interested in buying and selling companies for a living, and we train them and teach them on what we know. So that if you say, I may not want to sell my company today, but I want to know what you guys know so I can go out there and do that, we actually have a program working directly side-by-side with us 
going and, uh, and making that happen. In fact, one of the group, one of the individuals we're working with right now, I can't tell you their name, but they are an executive at a Fortune 500 um, entertainment company, one of the largest companies in the world. And this person is very high up in the financial sector of this company. They do billion-dollar deals all the time. It's a household name. Everybody, I think, on the planet knows who these guys are. But this is a very, very, very high-level and highly paid executive. And um, he's, he's made this company billions of dollars doing deals uh, for, for like over a decade. And he came to us and said, look, I've been doing so much business with these guys and making them so much money. I want to learn how to do this for myself. Like, can I work with you guys and take down some deals? And then that way I can start to build out my own empire. And even though he's making the most obscene salary you can imagine, everybody realizes the salary at the end of the day is, is just kind of a ball and chain, no matter how much money you're making. That's not true wealth. You've really got to be able to go and break free and become that entrepreneur and take control of your own destiny to have unlimited upside potential. And this guy knows that. So that's another way that we're, we're working with folks now is really by pulling them into our inner fabric and, and teaching them the techniques that we're using every day. All right, I got a, I got a trick question for you then. Um, and I think it's great. So, you, well, before I can give my trick question. So you, you as an organization, you, you, you work with buyers and sellers, not just sellers, correct? We do. Okay, I want to clarify that. All right, here's my trick question. All right, so if you were to build a business today with the intent to sell it in the future, what type of business would you build? <laughs> there's, there's so much. Um, I tell you what I would do. I, I wouldn't simply look at building a business. Uh, I, I think that the experience I've got in years that I've, I've been doing this, the trick that I've learned is that organic growth is a smaller part of the equation than inorganic growth. So I could literally pick any industry that I think is doing well, like take healthcare, take telecom, take software as a service technology, uh, something that you believe in, something you think, yeah, this is absolutely going to go anywhere, go somewhere. Even a services industry, which is relatively recession-proof and ultimately does very well, you take that model, you have something you stand up rather quickly, you get it to the point where it's successful or, or you've got some degree of success going, and then you leverage the techniques to go out there and buy out the competitors as fast as you can and roll those up into your own organization, pull them up under your umbrella, get that built as quickly and as powerfully as you can. It will only take you, if you do it right, between 18 to 36 months, even if you're starting from ground zero. You get that conglomerate built up and you sell that. That is the fastest way that I know of to generate radical amounts of wealth from ground zero doesn't take very long if you know the strategies. And ultimately, we know from Morgan Stanley and other groups that have done research on this that 88% of all new wealth, all new wealth comes from the sale of a small business or real estate. So if we know that, we know that's where all the new money is coming from and the big money, then that's what you've got to plug into. And so the question to me isn't about what industry do you want to go after. The question is what strategy you want to pursue to get to the end game, which is selling a business. And so I would look at it as, because we've done it with a ton of industries, it doesn't matter which industry. It matters how quickly can you inorganically grow and build out your portfolio to be able to turn around and sell that for the maximum possible price. Um, if you were going to buy a business, what type of business would it be? Yeah, um, well, we're doing that every day. Um, well, not every day, but we're, we're definitely putting out offers um, several times a month. And our portfolio consists of, of just about everything. 
Uh, I think that right now with where we are with COVID, because of the time this is recorded, we're, we're right in the middle of that. The services businesses are really great purchases because there's a lot of services companies that are at the point where they're ready to retire. They're looking at the future and they're saying to themselves, you know what, I know what it's going to take to really recover from this and get it back on track, and I just don't want to do it. This is just too much effort. I'd rather find somebody that's not going to take advantage of me, that's not going to come in and, and play Shark Tank and talk me down to the lowest dollar, to come in and offer me a fair price for the business, take it over, work out good terms with me, and then take it to the next level. Those are the ones that we're really leaning in heavily right now. But I'll also tell you, it changes from month to month. Uh, when you're in the business of buying and selling companies for a living, you're constantly looking at the tea leaves of what's coming, what's hot, what's not, and adjusting your strategy, and also looking towards what is going to be the best possible product to sell in the next 12 to 18 months. And for us right now, services businesses, they're doing very well uh, from a purchase perspective because there's a lot of groups that are ready to now exit stage left, and it's creating opportunities for buyers to come in and make fair offers to take those over and then be the group that's ready to grow it to the next level. Would you say, Bart, that this is a good time? Is this more of a buyer's market or a seller's market right now with the current status of affairs? Yeah. So 30 days ago, uh, a wonderful seller's market. Today, a wonderful buyer's market. And everything, everything adjusts based upon not necessarily the economy, but how people feel about the economy. If you feel good about the economy, and you feel good about where things are going, then it's a great seller's market just because everybody's going to be more inclined and comfortable paying more. Uh, if you feel uncomfortable or you feel like in a, a position of a vulnerability, then it's going to be more of a buyer's market. I would say look at what's going on with real estate because businesses out there, as long as you're not looking at any specific industry, because each industry is very different, but just on a broad scope, the market around M&A follows very closely the market around real estate. And those are also, by the way, excellent leading indicators uh, to figure out what's going to happen in the economy. So if you look at how real estate, commercial real estate sales are doing, uh, if you know the data to look for, you can very easily predict like what's going to happen economically in the next six to nine to 12 months because there's impact, like three or four stages of impact beyond the slowdown or acceleration of those sales that directly impact the rest of the economy. Just a bit of a trickle-down effect. No, I appreciate that. Um, before we go, Bart, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know as we start to wind down? Here? Yeah, I would say ultimately, whether you're starting a business, growing a business, looking to sell your business, a lot of the success that you create is, is largely around what you believe you can and can't do. And I know that sounds kind of trite or it sounds like wishful thinking, but the reality is if you're in a situation where you're saying to yourself, oh, my business isn't good enough to sell or my business isn't going to be able to grow, or I'm not going to be able to get maximum value out of it, then you're going to be right because you're never going to do anything. You're never going to be able to save the potential. If you have the mindset that says, hey, I want to see what I've got, and I recognize that not everybody out there has a perfect business. In fact, nobody does. So in that way, I'm just like everybody else, but I've still got my strengths and, as well as my weaknesses, and I can get maximum value out of this, and I can grow it, and I can position this for a solid success, you will. Uh, you do want to find people that you can align with that can help you with that and give you pointers and, and guidance to be able to get the best result. Like I didn't know 
20-something years ago when I first started out doing this. But if you can do that, if you can find somebody that's a trusted, confidant, a mentor to help guide you through that, you can absolutely get maximum value out of your business. doesn't matter to me how distressed it is, how problematic it is, how much sweat you're losing over payroll, how many nights of sleep you've lost over operations. All that stuff is normal. It's every day, and it's okay. It still does, that doesn't mean you've got a bad business. It just means you need to be able to figure out how to best position that and address some of those things as you're going in the sale process. So don't give up. There's a lot of great businesses out there that are for sale, but there's also a lot of businesses out there that have a ton of problems that still get a ton of money for them. So definitely keep that in mind and don't, don't get caught up into that idea that, oh, my business will never sell for anything because that's absolutely not true. If you position it correctly, it can get you a lot of money, and it can be your retirement solution. So, Bart, for our listeners that want to learn more about what you do, where can they find you and, and connect with you? Yeah, sure. So if you're, if you're looking to learn more about the sale of a business and what that looks like, you can hit us up at, at StonePeakAlliance.com. That's www.StonePeakAlliance.com. That's our M&A division. If you're interested as an individual learning how to buy and sell companies for a living, you can check us out at SpartansAlliance.com. That's www.spartans with an S alliance.com. And on there, we've got all kinds of uh, free content, uh, ideologies, YouTube videos, strategy sessions that you can go and check out. Uh, they give you a lot, of, a lot of this information and a lot of the right starting points for the techniques. Uh, and it's all out there. Thank you, sir. And I'll make sure I put all of that in the show notes so that our listeners can can find you appropriately. Uh, Bart, I can't say enough. A lot of great content, a lot of golden nuggets. Thank you so much for being with us today. No, thank you, Ben. I, I really appreciate you having me here today. Hey, it was our pleasure. And to all our listeners, hope that you learned at least one thing today that will help take you to the next level. Hey, thanks for listening today. For more episodes, make sure to click the subscribe button below and check out our blog for other impactful information that might be of interest to you at vizanaconsulting.com forward slash blog. That's Vizana, V as in victory, E-Z-I-N-A, consulting.com slash blog. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. That's podcast at vizanaconsulting.com. I'm your host, Ben Vizanaw, and I'll see you next time on the Next Level Leadership Small Business Owner Show.